So once you have those three events that represent uh, each one of those funnel stages, that's your tracking plan, right? And we recommend the tracking plan is somewhere between three to 10 events. Oftentimes we see people go crazy and they say, you know, page viewed, button clicked, modal <laughs> open, modal closed, right? So if, you have, <laughs> if, you have, if you have hundreds of these events, what ends up happening is uh, it overwhelms your end analytics system. And when analysts go in or even the co-founders go in and they start trying to figure something out, like how many users do we have, right? Or like how much money are we making? And all of a sudden there's like a thousand uh, button X clicked, color X changed, right? Then they start wondering which one of these events are still active. And then eventually you reach the state where you're like, oh, I don't trust my analytics whatsoever. And then you kind of leave the belief that analytics is helpful. So that's why we recommend... Hello everyone, welcome to Hashtag Startup Basics series in the Insights Alley podcast, where startup founders and teams can learn from proven founders and experts about product, growth, sales, strategy, and everything in between to make their own startup successful. I'm your host Arun Verma and let's get started. In today's episode, we will talk to Ilya Volodarsky, who is a co-founder of Segment.com. Segment is a single platform that collects, stores, and routes your user data to hundreds of tools with a flick of a switch. We will talk about analytics, which is forte of Segment, and more and so product analytics, in which, what to implement, how and why, and everything. So here is the episode. Hello, Ilya. Welcome to Insights Ali, and thanks a lot for taking out some time for doing this. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. So, Ilya, would you like to start with telling us your story in brief of your career from your early days to co-founding segment and what are you up to nowadays? Sure. Happy to do that. So I was born in, in Russia, uh, in St. Petersburg, Russia, and uh, I emigrated with my family to the United States when I was seven years old. So in 1996, then started programming at a pretty early age. So at around 14, uh, my brother actually gave me a, a Java book that I that I got really into and um, just started programming, you know, games and various kind of client server applications starting at that time. And then went to school and met uh, two of the people that I would end up living with for most of my time in the dorms there, Peter and Calvin, who are my co-founders, co-founders today at Segment. And throughout that, throughout our uh, time at MIT, we we spent a lot of time just programming and going to hackathons, doing various different projects, uh, just becoming better as kind of a product team. And we always knew that we wanted to start a, a company together. We eventually went to went to this class called called Founders Journey that we took at MIT, which brought in a lot of different uh, a lot of different folks like Drew Houston from Dropbox. Adam Smith from Zobni and a lot of people that were very active in the startup community uh, to just talk and kind of humanize the actual startup founder and prove to, you know, young college kids that it's actually possible to do. And so that kind of that experience actually motivated us to apply to Y Combinator. And I could tell you a lot more about that story, but that's kind of my early uh, getting into entrepreneurship. Right. So Ilya, let's start with today's topic. Let's lay the groundwork first, right? So like, according to you, what is even meant by analytics in 101 terms and more and so product analytics? 
and why is it so important to get it right from the very beginning of any startup? So when a startup just gets started, most of the time they start with an experiment that's aimed at a specific problem. It's their idea of what a solution is to a problem that they have witnessed somewhere in the world. And oftentimes founders are people that uh, have very strong perseverance. They really believe in what they're they're building. Uh, but unfortunately, about you know almost like 90% of the time, uh, what they end up building isn't actually required by the market in the form that they build it. And oftentimes, kind of the reality delusion field that surrounds a founder causes them to go for way too long and burn way too much money while pursuing something that might not necessarily be be a solution to a real either a real problem or the right solution to an existing problem. And so analytics in the early stage of a startup is to help break the reality delusion field and actually open up reality to the founder. Uh, is the product that you are building actually helping someone? And are those people coming back week over week? And there's a lot of different techniques and methodologies you can use to actually figure out if you are getting product market fit. So we didn't actually know this when we were getting started for the first two and a half years of our startup journey. We wasted almost half a million dollars uh, doing that. And uh, that was that was a pretty painful experience. So uh, analytics would have helped there. So uh, let's talk about metrics, which is like the fundamental unit of analytics, right? So like, how do you see and understand uh, what a metric is, especially when it comes to product analytics? Yeah. So what we always recommend is you want to start thinking about your funnel. Mm -hmm. uh, and a funnel is basically acquisition, engagement, and then retention, and then monetization. So acquisition, engagement, monetization, and the retention is a loop of engagement. And once you have this funnel, uh, which for Netflix could be something like user signed up as acquisition, for engagement, it could be video played. And then for uh, monetization, it could be uh, subscription upgraded. And then whenever uh, whenever engagement happens in the loop, that's actually a retention, right? So metrics are just performance indicators on top of each stage in the funnel. So for example, you can have net new signups week over week as your performance of your acquisition stage of your funnel. And once you have that metric, you can set goals on it every week or every month and say, today we're only getting 200 organic signups every week. We want to make that 300 by the end of the month. And so we'll do X, Y, and Z in order to do that. And every day I come to work and I, that I do X, Y, and Z, I'm looking at a dashboard that shows me how many net new signups I've gotten this week. So Ilya, I get your point. So like, if we think of the whole funnel in a sense that this is the marketing funnel where you are acquiring some customer. And if you dig down into the product funnel, so let's say we make the first version of the product. Now, the biggest challenge I see in the first place is like, how do you think and identify what metrics in your product, in your software are important for you, for your business, right? So from an engineering point of view, even a small MVP code, we would have so many events being done by users and there would be so many properties associated with all those events and users. So from such a day one situation, how do you navigate your way and end up on something concrete of understanding of what a metric, what metrics to track and how many and how to select them exactly? Yeah, that's a great question. So I talked, the reason why I talk about the funnel is it's the, is the place to start and it's the framework that helps you answer this question. So okay. acquisition, engagement, monetization, then you apply metrics at each point. So you say my menu signups week over week for acquisition, for engagement, I'm looking at four week cohort retention. And then for uh, monetization, I'm looking at net new revenue week over week. And once you have those three metrics, they're literally applicable to any early stage B2B startup or even B2C startup. 
as long as you're optimizing those, probably revenue is the most important if you're post-monetization. If you're pre-monetization, then acquisition and engagement are the most important. But combined together, if you're doing good on those three metrics, any business will be healthy and growing. And so underneath that, there's obviously data collection. Uh, so you were talking about what events and what event properties do you need to track in order to do that. And then again, we go back to the funnel. So for example, let's take a e-commerce retail company, right? So for right. them, people come and they look at products. So that's product viewed. Then they they add a product to a cart, product added, and then it's monetization and it's order completed, right? And so with that, you can also figure out monetization. How much net new revenue am I making week over week? Are people coming back week over week or month over month and looking at different products, right? And are people signing up? I guess you're saying uh, we sort of first visualize that funnel and kind of sort of a make a tracking plan. So I was digging up into segment analytics uh, academy also. There, you guys mentioned about making a tracking plan. Could you like talk about that and how is it important and how it helps? Yeah, great question. So once you have that funnel and you have those three, uh, that acquisition, that engagement, that monetization event, you need to give them names. And the names are custom to your own business. So we talked about e-commerce. That would be like product viewed, product added, order completed. For a subscription business like a B2B business, you would have user sign up. You know, whatever your engagement event is, this is different for, for a different business. So for like a uh, social media app, it would be like posting completed. Yeah. For Netflix, it would be something like uh, video played. And then once a subscription is bought, it's something like subscription upgraded. So once you have those three events that represent uh, each one of those funnel stages, that's your tracking plan. Right. And we recommend the tracking plan is somewhere between three to 10 events. Oftentimes we see people go crazy and they say, you know, page viewed, button clicked, modal <laughs> open, modal closed. Right. So if, hey. you have, if, you have, if you have hundreds of these events, what ends up happening is uh, it overwhelms your end analytics system. And when analysts go in or even the co-founders go in and they start trying to figure something out, like how many users do we have, right? Or like how much money are we making? And all of a sudden there's like a thousand uh, button X clicked, color X changed, right? Then they start wondering which one of these events are still active. And then eventually you reach the state where you're like, oh, I don't trust my analytics whatsoever. And then you kind of leave the belief that analytics is helpful. So that's why we recommend always having just three to 10 events. And each event should be there for a reason. So you obviously need subscription upgraded so that you can know how much money you're making. And so that's the tracking plan. And so it's basically the spreadsheet of all of your event names, what event properties you want under each one, and then why you even have those events in the first place. Is it for your acquisition metric, for your engagement metric, for monetization, so forth. Right. So when you're doing this exercise, like how do you understand or classify like what would be a vanity metric or what would be an actionable metric? Like how do you sort through? Yeah. So if you think about your business at a high level and you think about that funnel, nothing in the funnel is a vanity metric because if the end result is user paying you, which confirms that you actually created something of value and you work backwards, well, they need to actually engage with the product before they pay me. And then we need to find them on the internet and then you need to sign up before that happens. You find one metric to describe the performance at each one of those funnel steps and none of those are vanity metrics. The time when you get into vanity metrics is when you are starting to think about kind of like the UI interactions or how many pages people are coming on, how much time are they spending on your site? All of that is vanity metrics because mm. those aren't necessarily correlated to people getting value people paying makes sense so uh, let's say now from there where you have identified your key metrics to track via your tracking plan and you would want to create a dashboard of sorts either manually or automated you know kind of showcasing the health of your product or even the company so could you tell us on that like how to think about it and what to do exactly and how yes totally so 
once you have once you have a tracking plan created on top of your funnel and you have an idea of what metrics you want to track what you do is you actually implement those events inside of your app so this is what segment is built for we have an analytics api where you can go in and say analytics.track user123 did video played analytics.track user123 did subscription upgraded and then you can also put in event properties like the subscription of the upgraded to is the pro subscription and they're paying $30 a month right so this data flows uh, to an analytics infrastructure platform like segment that collects that data and then you want to send it to a variety of different tools so one of the tools you want to send it to is a product analytics tool like amplitude so in segment you could just go in and say added destination amplitude turn it on and then all of a sudden all the data that's flowing into our api will be flowing into amplitudes as well uh, but without requiring you to write additional integration logic for amplitude in amplitude you can go in and you can create an event segmentation report for let's say signups so you can say i want to count all of the signups and i want to cut them by signup type and so all of a sudden you see it every week how many net new organic signups you have. Okay, so that's your acquisition metric check. Then you go into Amplitude and you create a retention analysis chart that shows you out of all the people, out of the 100 people that signed up from Sunday to Monday, that cohort, what percentage of those are engaging in week one, in week two, in week three, in week four. And then you find that out of the cohort that signed up a month ago, only 15% of them are still active uh, on week four. And so that's your product market fit metric. And you can say, well, 15% is kind of low. I want it to be more like 30% are still using the thing a month out. And then what you do there is you can start interviewing your customers, the ones that are sticking around and seeing what tools and what features they're using. And you can start interviewing the ones that are dropping off and understanding why they didn't find value in the product. Okay, so that's your product market fit and engagement metric check. And then you want to use Amplitude to also count your monetization. So you want to set up event segmentation on top of how much net new revenue you're making week over week. And so once you have that check, those are your top three metrics. So you started with the funnel, you made a tracking plan, you set data from your application to segments API, you turned on amplitude, and then you have your top three metrics. And so you're kind of on the path to be data driven. Right. And yeah, I guess in very early stage, you're in any stage, actually, the company North Star would be sort of revenue, right? But in product wise, you are not sure what your North Star would be, right? So in that scenario, so like, what are we basically trying to achieve or understand from these metric and dashboards that we have finalized to track? Like, because it's a wild west, right? So are we just trying to see the usage? So for example, whatever metrics that we decided, are they increasing time over time across different segments? Or are we trying to push users into singular final aha moment of or aha event of sorts? So how do you think around this? Uh, another great question. So what's really important for early stage products and startups uh, is looking at that at that retention metrics uh, or sorry, retention cohort metric that I, I was talking about earlier. Hmm. So you look at a group of customers and you generally you generally look at cohorts week, week over week. So from uh, Sunday to Monday, uh, seven days, users enter and then that's their week zero. And then you, you look at that same group of 100 users in week one, which is the, the next week after that Monday. And then in week two, the the week after that and you see what percentage of those 100 users are doing the action that represents value for this company so if you're airbnb the action that represents value is booking a, a rental property if you're netflix it's watching a video if it's you know something like slack it's 
sending a message in Slack, right? And so you're looking, and if you think about Slack, right, like any anyone that uses it knows knows that they use it almost every day. So they they probably have something like 80 to 90 percent, you know, engagement of their of the cohort that comes in. So it shows that they have insane product market fit. Similar to Netflix, you know, people often watch Netflix every single day. And the, the core idea here is startup founders can always convince people to do something once. You can convince your mom to use your product once, right? But you can't even convince your mom to use your product week over week for four weeks if it's not actually adding value to her life, right? So she'll just stop using it. And so the basic idea is you need to be able to track uh, how your users view the product over time. And if they continue using the product at like 20 to 30%, that's a pretty good rate for a B2B company. And you look at the four-week mark, the eight-week mark, the six-month mark, the 12-month mark. It obviously takes time to, to, to observe a cohort. But if you notice that very quickly, almost the entire cohort goes to 0% engagement, that means that you don't have product market fit and you have to go back to the drawing board. Right. So, Ilya, uh, I guess uh, another way of a very key way of segmentation, which founders, I think, should think of very hard is segmenting your analytics on the basis of features, right? Or a better way of saying this would be like, see the analytics of your product from a feature by feature basis, because, you know, you would start adding more and more features as you grow. How would you advise founders do that? Like, first of all, how do you identify the features which are performing well, which are not? Because since all the features are not made equal, right? And so how do you understand what to do after? comparing that analytics of different feature set yeah that's a great question and so oftentimes before a product is mature you launch a feature and it might not be the right one so you iterate on it and then you add additional ones and we we've went through this failure mode there's a very common failure mode here where like you think that the next feature will unlock product market fit for you and so you chase features forever you have to be careful of this because you might not be solving a problem that really exists in the world right and so no feature will actually will actually resolve that and so i think here if you're finding yourself like running from feature to feature it's often better to go and and sit down with the customer and observe them using your product and really try to get at the really try to get at the uh, problem that a uh, customer is having versus believing that there's just one feature away from actually um, from, from actually helping them. And it's, it's really interesting to think about, like, if your product just didn't exist, what is actually happening with the customer? You know, they're sitting in front of their computer day to day and they might have they might have a small problem, but it's not actually worth them adopting another, you know, B2B product in order to solve. OK, so I, that's just my like my disclaimer around the feature to feature jumping, which I've done for two and a half years and wasted half a million dollars doing. So I, I have to <laughs> say that disclaimer. <laughs> so what we recommend is every feature that you launch, you have some kind of engagement event that you record with it, right? So let me think of an example. Uh, okay, so in Slack, you have channels that are created, you have messages that are sent through channels, but you also have uh, integrations that you can connect. So you can connect GitHub so that every kind of you know pull request or issue gets sent as a notification in there. So the integrations product is something that Slack has added at some point, right? right. So what they should do is have an integration activated event that they send into their analytics. And then what they can do is they can start tracking what percentage of their teams are, you know, have that have that event coming through. So for example, they have, let's say, a million users or a million, let's say a million companies using them. And then they launch this integrations product to a subset of a thousand of them in the private beta. And then they see that, you know, 50% of them actually enabled an integration. And then you might want to have some kind of further engagement event, which is, are people clicking the links within the integration notifications? And so maybe it's like integration notification clicked. And so they track that event as an additional uh, as an additional feature event. They see what percentage of those groups are engaging there. So it's basically around you can think of your product 
having engagement overall, but then that engagement is a subset of the many features that, that your product offers, right? And so I don't know if that makes sense. So I get your point. So like where somewhat like a B2B SaaS product, which is more much more complicated with multiple personas or much more sophisticated use cases, how should founders think about like few high level metrics? There is daily or weekly returning users, using users that there is some usage or the other way of looking at it is deep dive into analytics for every feature they build, right? By seeing usage of feature over time or seeing the funnel of, of each feature uh, over a different segment. So how do you balance that? Yeah, great question. So I think it's about operating at different levels, right? So there's company level goals, company level metrics, which are the net new signups week over week, the uh, four week engagement at, at the highest product level, and then net new revenue week over week. And that's what you set goals on at, at the company level. But realistically, oftentimes you're actually working on a specific sub feature within your product, right? Uh, And that's what you're asking. So in that case, you're at the like product or almost the feature level. And you want to have some analytics there as well while you're working at that level, right? So it's it's kind of this combination. When you're talking to your investors and your advisors, you're not going to be talking about a specific feature. You're going to be talking about the company overall. And as long as the company metrics at the highest level are growing healthily, then the business is growing healthily. But obviously that doesn't always happen, especially when you're trying to figure stuff out. And so you deep dive into like the L2 metrics as, as, as I call them. And so there, you do a lot of product market fit work. So analytics over a feature is one of the things that you can do. But if you're a B2B company, oftentimes what we see is a lot of more qualitative efforts are better. So we recommend actually creating Slack channels with, with your customers, right? So every new feature that segment launches, we pick about you know 30 customers that we want to try out that feature in the private beta and we make them get onto this into a Slack channel in order to get access to that feature. And then as they're using it, they tell us whether there's any product usability issues that come up, whether they're getting value. And oftentimes you start seeing this difference from you pushing features at people to them starting to pull them from you. And they start bugging you, you know, in off hours. Hey, can you fix this? Hey, I have this uh, bug request. Hey, I really need to get this before my presentation to my boss tomorrow. Right? And when you start seeing these kinds of things, that means that the customer is starting to pull from you. And that's a very good sign. And so you can do that through a Slack channel. You don't need to do that with analytics, right? If you have a hundred people in your beta, maybe not all of them can be in your Slack channels. And so at that point, you need the kind of scale where you're looking in amplitude, a segment of customers that have used a specific feature, and then you look at their retention cohort over that specific feature, and if they use it week over week or month over month. Another thing I'd like to say is if it's a website that they're building, Full Story is a really good good tool out there in the market right now. It basically records the exactly what the user is doing on exactly what the user is doing on the website, and it really helps to find product usability issues as the customer kind of browses the product. Got it. So I don't think you might have faced this problem any recently, but like let's say for a early stage startup where they are making multiple features at least or and sub features like how do you overcome that problem when you are seeing feature versus feature how are they performing what would happen is there is so much lack of data to see trends or do any sort of analysis right so even if you let's say 10 paid customers which might be very good in b2b early stage but the total number of product end product user are just 15 numbers so all data all funnels all cohorts are like you know one zero 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 one two zero 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 one like that so like uh, how do you understand and make sense of any of it and like how do you then overcome this problem yeah um i think it's just having relationships with the customers so like i was saying earlier the slack channels and the qualitative tools like full story to be able to see exactly what customers are doing is the data that you need at that point so you can write you can write a group of here okay i'll, I'll give you i'll give you kind of a playbook that we use the first one is slack open communication channel with each customer customer. The second one is full story. Look at exactly 
what each customer is doing on your on your website and then your inside of your application to see if they're hitting any kind of confusion points. And then the third one is retention cohorts, even over those 10 users. So if you have Bob and Mary and Sally, they're the only three users that are using this specific feature. You can still see if they're coming back to it week over week, right? So even if that number is 100 or 1100, you can you still expect those three people to come back week over week. And you don't need analytics for that if you just talk to the person every week, right? Which is probably the ideal case. So it's kind of like talk to the user, watch behind their back to see what they're exactly they're doing. And if you can record uh, what they're doing. And then the third piece is look at retention cohorts of even the smallest segment of, of users to see if they're coming back week over week. Got it. That makes absolute sense. So going back a little, somewhat related to understanding analytics of a feature, I wanted to ask. So let me give you an example. So let's say we have an app for reviewing papers, exam papers. Let's assume. Okay. So obviously one of the metric we would want to track is papers reviewed per XYZ. Right now, there are two lines of thought into what is actually meant by this metric of paper review. At one end of the spectrum, you could say when a person visits a paper review screen, I would equate it to the event of paper review. On the other end of the spectrum, you could say I would only consider this event of paper reviewed only if all these things happen. One, user visit the paper review screen. Two, user scrolls and covers at least 70% of the material. And three, user, let's say, stays on the page for at least one minute. So my question is like in such a scenario where the overall thing is so much complicated, how do you decide what is the definition of a metric that you are tracking when things are no like this. In your example, what is the what is the value that the, that the customer is getting? So they are able to review a paper. Okay, I see. So th- they're able to review it, meaning like read it fully and then... Perhaps. Uh, yeah. Let's say, take an example of a view of a video also, right? So you can consider in a one scenario, just if some uh, if a person clicks on play button, that's a view or a sophisticated definition of that view would be they click that event, then they at least cover 70% of the video. In such mm-hmm. complex features, how do you understand and from an analytics point of view, how do you see that? Yeah, that's a great question. So what you normally want to do is just like step back and think about the customer and why they're there in the first place. And so if it's the paper review example, the customer is getting value from being able to read a piece of paper that they haven't been able to read in the past. And so like the only time when they're actually getting value is probably if they like scroll to the bottom of the screen. And so you you want to not do something super shallow like in the video played example, just playing a video and immediately bouncing off the page. You, if you optimize for that metric, your business can still be not in a good shape because a lot of people are pressing play and then not finding value and leaving. You want to find a single metric that represents the point where the customer is clearly happy. And I think that's done by observing customers that are happy and seeing what their behavior is and then modeling the metric based off of that, right? And so it almost always comes back to understanding the customer. Go and sit with the customer, watch them smile while they use the product and observe exactly what they're doing on the screen and then form your idea of what a successful interaction is with that feature based off of that, not based off of sitting in your own room as a founder among your other founders and like brainstorming metrics, right? That's often what differentiates kind of like the successful metric versus not. Once you have the like end metric that represents value, there can be a lot of funnel steps that happen before it. So a user has to land on the, on the page. They have to open the paper. They have to start scrolling in the paper. They have to spend some amount of time in the paper. But none of that matters. All that matters is that end metric that they you know got to the end and they pressed OK. And maybe that that's when they smile. Right. And so I would I would I would try to figure out the value metric first. And then when you're actually optimizing that experience, it's reasonable to have other events that represent kind of stepping stones before the milestone 
shown uh, because you can find that there's specific drop off that happens. So we can take the video example and say um, a user has to look at the catalog of videos. They have to look at a category. They have to find the video. They have to press play and they have to watch it and they have to get to the end. And you might find that maybe your catalog is really broken and people are having trouble finding the video that they're excited about. And so having a funnel and seeing all of those steps might help you see the biggest drop off. But again, picking the final end value metric is incredibly important and not doing it kind of like too early in the stage. Like, oh, if they just open the page, that's already successful, right? That's when you get into like vanity metrics that aren't actually correlated to your business success. Got it. Got it. Right. That makes sense. I guess, Ilya, you touched a lot upon having that qualitative feedback loop also along with the analytical quantitative feedback loop, right? So my question is like, one is understanding if the product is getting success, how do you see that when seeing qualitative versus quantitative inputs? And also second, how do you decide what to build next and then see qualitative versus quantitative inputs? And obviously quantitative inputs, I'm seeing the product analytics and qualitative is, you know, customer development interviews, prospect interviews, feedback, surveys, emails, etc. So in order to figure out when things are working, there's both a qualitative and a quantitative part. The qualitative part is when customers start pulling the product from you instead of you pushing it at them. So if you have to ping every week in Slack, hey, have you used this? Hey, have you used this? Hey, have you used this? Probably not working. If the customers start saying, hey, I've used it, but I'm having this bug. Hey, I've used it, but it didn't work. I need I need to your help to you know edit this. Oh, I really like this. Can you add this feature? You can feel that the customer is starting to pull stuff away from your company. And that that's the qualitative signal that things are working. And you should follow that, that kind of user path and those features in that product. On the quantitative side, you see those same users logging into your app week over week for long periods of time. And I would say there's no magical number I can give you because it completely depends on the business type. But right. for a B2B company that's not incredibly hard to set up, something like a 30% cohort engagement and retention rate four weeks out is a pretty good a pretty good indicator. Okay, so that's the qualitative and quantitative part of knowing whether something is working out. And then in order to figure out what to build next, you generally want to select the group of your most valuable customers that are the most engaged and that are paying you. So you generally want to find the 10 customers that you wish that you had a thousand of or 10,000 of or a million of. And then you want to be so close to them that they tell you what they want next. And there it's all qualitative. It's all customer development. And I think from every startup that I've seen, they will not have, if there's product market fit and the customer is starting to pull the product from them, they'll never have a problem knowing what's what to build next. Got it. So have you seen any way to pattern match or associate the insights you get from analytics somewhat if we have some sort of reasonable analytic numbers and then relate back to the customer development interviews that are customer feedback prospect feedback and sales feedback process that and insights that you're getting yes um i think i think in the early stages i almost want to unless it's a b2c company that you know has millions of users and is very hard to actually be able to talk to customers that's not a great place to be in you you want to be able to have a, a direct connection to customers right. i would advise most of the like what to do next to come from customer interviews and feedback and not from not from just like feature analytics. Feature analytics is more telling you whether things are working, but in order to figure out what to do next, you just have to understand the world and usually talking to the customer is what we found to be best there. In terms of where to use data to guide direction, it's more at the kind of company level, the L1 level that we we're talking about earlier, where you already are past product market fit. There's already customers starting to buy. And now you're looking at, you know, your acquisition metric, your engagement metric and your monetization metric. And you're finding that, hey, you know, a lot of people are coming in the door, but not a lot of them are and, and they're engaging, but not a lot of them are buying. So we need to focus on the engagement to monetization step. And maybe that's changing your pricing and packaging. You know, maybe that's a better funnel of telling customers that, 
hey, you know, your trial is expired. You need to buy this, buy this new plan. I, I would say, I would say post product market fit, the data kind of guides the team into where to focus the, the business or the, you know, the business people on what, what problems. Yeah. And also basically, even if before product market fit, you would want to use product analytics for, you know, basically making the funnel seamless and the user experience seamless for that exact features, not to decide what to build next. Exactly. Exactly. So on an overarching macro level as well, like uh, how can founders and early stage startup leverage analytics to achieve product market fit? And like, how do you quantify and measure PMF from analytics point of view? It's all about that four week uh, engagement and retention rate. So it, go into Amplitude, create the retention analysis chart and see how your cohorts are signing up over time. And then uh, look at the four week level and then try to optimize that or from 5% to 10% to 15% to 20 to 30%. If you get 30% of your cohort, you know, starting to use your, your product four weeks out, then you know for everyone that comes in the door a month later they still are thinking about uh, or a third of them are still thinking about your product and so you're in a pretty good place from uh, the product market fit perspective that makes sense let's talk about tools i love really really love tools so for product analytics like there are so so many different tools for each and every goddamn use case and like you know peripheral use cases and so on so what would your advice be for early stage founders Ilya? like how to think about it and decide on it and any tool stack you would suggest Perfect. I love that you love tools. I love tools as well. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of the things we talked about today require a little bit of tooling. I always recommend to understand the theory first, understand the use case before getting obsessed with the tools. Uh, but tools are kind of a necessary component to getting stuff done. So what we recommend today is Amplitude, either Amplitude or Mixpanel. They're both really great product analytics tools. We use Amplitude a lot at, at Segment, but uh, both of those players are, are great in the market today. So Amplitude will help you, both Amplitude and Mixpanel, will help you calculate how much time how much an event is happening every week so that you can set goals against this so this is like the acquisition or monetization metric and then both of them also have retention analysis uh, retention analysis retention cohort charts that show you hey every week you're getting this amount of customers and here's how they're engaging over week over week after that and that's that's your that's your product market fit metric so in the product analytics space, we definitely recommend Amplitude or Mixpanel. We also recommend having a data warehouse. So something like Google BigQuery, Redshift, or Snowflake to be able to have a database that anyone in your team can query to ask questions about what's happening with the customers. So for example, who are the customers that have used this feature the most? And then what other features did they go on to use? That's a really great question to code in SQL and then ask your data warehouse. And so one of the best pricing models available right now in data warehouses is Google BigQuery. It's free to load data in and it only costs a small amount of data to query. And then on top of that, we recommend installing a business intelligence tool like Mode where you can actually write the query and then press run and then it executes against the data warehouse and then gets the result results set back also allows you to share various reports across your different team. So to, to recap, product analytics, amplitude, data warehouse, BigQuery, business intelligence tool mode. And these are all tools that we use internally at Segment. Awesome. Can you tell us more on what is Segment and like why should startups use Segment from the very early stage? So if you draw a line as your early stage startup goes from, you know, your two, three, four founders, and they're looking for product market fit. In that stage, they'll use lots of different tools. So they'll use Amplitude for product analytics. They'll use BigQuery and Mode for querying raw data so that the CEO doesn't have to ask the CTO every time they want to get a question answered. Then they'll want to look at a list of all their customers, Intercom. They'll want to look at, they'll, they'll want to send emails to customers. So that would be something like customer IO. And they'll want to look at what the customer is doing on the website. That's full story. So, oh, and I forgot Google Analytics, which is an obvious one that you want to install too. So even in the early days, I'm counting, you know, 
Google Analytics, Amplitude, BigQuery, Mode, Intercom, Full Story, Customer IO. So that's seven different tools, right? You don't need to use all of them, but they will come up in the you know first one to one and a half years of your of your startup journey. And so without segment, you have to code each one separately. So you have to say Amplitude.track subscription upgraded, BigQuery.track subscription upgraded, Intercom.track subscription upgraded. Next to every button, you'll have seven lines of code to integrate each tool. Segment helps integrating these tools. So you we have a single API that collects data about what the user doing. And then you just go into segment and you just flip switches in order to turn on data flow into these other tools. So it allows you to quickly edit your stack to get the best in class tools really quickly without having to write any additional integration code. So I just recommended seven different tools to early stage startups. And so we looked at this about, you know, four months ago, and we realized that paying for all of these different tools can be quite expensive. So, you know, it's 250 a month, 250 a month, 250 a month. A startup, early stage startup can't afford that oftentimes. And we looked at what we used to pay in, you know, 2011, 2012, when we were getting started. And we were using spreadsheets and pieces of paper, and we weren't using any tools because we couldn't afford them. And so Segment has some leverage in the ecosystem now. And we really care about early stage startups because we remember how painful this part of the journey was for us and we want to you know encourage innovation around the world and help startups as much as possible so what we did was we started this startup program which gives segment for free to any early stage startup that's less than two years old and has raised less than five million dollars in funding so that is fairly open most most early stage startups fall into that category and so they just get segment for free so that's the first component of it the second component of it is that we went and we did deals with a lot of our partners so customer IO, mode, BigQuery, Amplitude, Intercom, Full Story, and we've arranged to get these products very heavily discounted or completely free for these startups. And so the idea here is with Segment Startup Program, you just get a complete analytics stack for your early stage growth and you only pay once you actually raise money. And so since we've launched this in February, we've had you know thousands and thousands of startups sign up and redeem these deals and activate Segment. So it feels amazing to, to give back to the community. So Ilya, that was pretty much it. Any final advice you would give to founders on analytics like what have your biggest learnings been up to now or any big mistakes that you see founders doing related to analytics yeah I, I think I think it just comes back to make sure you understand that the problem you're tackling is a real problem in the world and do that by going and sitting down with your customers and really observing them and use analytics to make sure that you don't keep going on forever blindly not acknowledging that you know customers aren't actually using your product day to day so it's all about getting close to the customer and looking at those retention cohorts right uh, by the way, startups can redeem and apply to segment startup program by just Googling segment startup program. Any resource you would like to suggest to listeners for learning more about analytics, books, people, blogs, anything? Yep. So I've written a lot of this content down. So if they go to segment.com forward slash academy, we call it the segment academy. It's specifically for early stage founders uh, to learn more about analytics. So would, would recommend them to check that out. Anything you would like to plug in your Twitter or LinkedIn? How can people reach out to you? Yep. They can reach out to me at ivolo, I-V-O-L-O at segment.com uh, and that's my email and uh, I'll respond there awesome well Ilya thank you so much for all the insights it was a pleasure having you on the show thank you so much bye bye that's it folks thanks for listening do give me your feedback about the podcast what could be improved what topics and guests you would like to see on insights Ali you can leave a comment on the YouTube video or could email me at arun at insights Ali Com. You can also message me and connect with me on Instagram, Twitter, etc. My handle everywhere is at the rate Arun Triple One Nine Two. And remember, always be learning. Bye.